This is the Spain and Fitz podcast. I'm Jason Fitz. Remember, you're going to get some exclusive content you can only get by being a part of the podcast. So you want to tune in through the whole thing. It's at the end today. It's an after party. And be sure to tell your friends, family, and enemies, everybody to subscribe to the podcast so you can get it every single day. It's Friday! What up, everybody? Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on a Friday. The first Friday ahead of a full slate of NFL games in forever. Last year, even. It's ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests join us on the Shell Penzoil Performance Live. We got a quick show tonight because we're taking you into important NBA basketball. NBA playoffs are right here on ESPN Radio. Tune in tonight as Kemba Walker and the Celtics battle the Raptors presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. We'll get into all sorts of NBA news, including a bubble excommunication as somebody got nabbed with a late night visitor. And I got to go in on James Harden because I've had enough. But Fitz, (laughs) we got to talk football because we got real live NFL action last night. And who boy, the Chiefs are somehow even scarier than they were before. Yeah, you know, there was this moment where I was watching, and early on we were joking as we were on the air last night as we were watching the game and overreacting. So I got home, Sarah, and I sat down and made myself a drink and put my feet up, and I said, what I'm not going to do is overreact through the course of this game. And then, I don't know, it was about midway through the third quarter when I, uh, I, took, my, I took my drink to the other room and said, I'm very angry now. The season's lost for my beloved Raiders because the Chiefs are just <laughs> impossibly good. And that, I mean, if there's any takeaway, look, I'm not sure that we can judge a lot of teams based on how they look against the Chiefs, but Clyde Edwards-Alaire uh, came out. And it's funny, yesterday I, you know, I subbed in for Max Kellerman last second and we talked to his fantasy guys and they were saying, well, you know, I'm not sure what bigger role he'll have. Well, Got the answer to that quickly because I'm now getting my butt kicked in our fantasy league because Clyde Edwards-Alaire went off. Yeah, this is a guy who the Chiefs, if you may recall, who were the Super Bowl champions last year, selected with the last pick in the in the draft, in the first round of the draft. Uh, that's partly, you know, the way running backs have gone, but also, uh, you know, perhaps this idea that other teams need to shore up other positions. They end up getting a guy who and again this Chiefs def, this Chiefs offense can make an average running back seem great. You put a great one in which it's early, but he sure looked good. And all of a sudden, you ask other teams, "What is your plan?" Cuz you saw the Texans last night, they chose to go a lot more zone. They really focused on trying to keep Patrick Mahomes from beating him with the deep ball to Tyree Kill. So he just goes to short passes, he goes to CEH, and he is the fourth player, only the fourth in the last 30 years with at least 130 rush yards and a touchdown in his debut. All three before him either won Rookie of the Year or rushing title that year. This guy is set up to succeed because there are so many other weapons that you have to pay attention to. You had to respect the run game anyway with KC, but now with this guy, if it's as good as you looked last night, it's almost unfair. Yeah, and the the statement I always say is somebody said at the national championship game when we were watching him at LSU, one of our analysts said, you can't tackle what you can't catch. And then last night, even when they had hands around him, he just broke through. I mean, he looks stronger in his lower body than I expected and spectacular work. And now the Chiefs have a running game. And if the Chiefs have a running game, I'm going to have a real alcohol problem in the fourth yeah, quarter. Yeah, 5'8, this year. like 210 or something. Good it's God. a, it's a bean, bowling ball of a man. Um, on the other side, the Texans, it's only one week, didn't look great. Cobb and Cooks amounted for four receptions for 43 yards. He obviously misses Hopkins and the space he can create and the ability that he gives him to use as a safety valve. 
but there's still time. Unfortunately for the Texans, they face the Ravens and Lamar Jackson next week, so I don't know <laughs> if they have much time to figure things out. Yeah, no, they, and look, you know I'm not a big believer in the Texans. We'll do our picks later in this show tonight, obviously, but uh, you know I'm not a big believer in the Texans, not because I don't love Deshaun Watson, but because I don't love the coaching staff, and uh, mm-hmm. I just saw it last night. I, I mean, I think the Texans are in for a long year. Well, we'll get into those picks, but let's instead, since we do have uh, a full slate of games this weekend, talk about a couple of the ones that we're most excited about. We only have a short show tonight. There's so much more we'd like to get into, but quickly, I think we can hit a couple of the things that have drawn our eye. Obviously, Fitz, I'm going to have to go ahead and assume that you're starting with the Raiders. Oh, yeah, and I have fancy sound effects. If we're looking at games that we're excited about this weekend. Raiders. Panthers. Oh, you bet I'm excited because my <laughs> beloved, I'm in Raiders gear. I'm in studio. I'm ready. The Raiders secondary and the Panthers secondary are both going to be dreadful early on in the season, but I do believe that the Raiders defense will get better as the year goes on. We'll get to those picks later, but I do believe that the Raiders win week one against the Panthers, not because the Raiders are necessarily a great team, but because I think we're going to find out that even with Christian McCaffrey, the Panthers still aren't very good at all. So my beloved Raiders, I feel good about 1-0. Oh. I'm just saying, woo! I like the enthusiasm. I like as I'm sure you can imagine, I'll be having my eye on Philip Blank. Bears, Lions. You got that right. Two teams trying to come back from disappointing years. Bears, less disappointing, but they still didn't make the playoffs after following up a a great season the year before with 12 wins. They had just eight last year. And then the Lions, I think, nine straight losses to close out last season. Mm. So both teams desperately looking for a W to start things off. I don't know what to expect from the Bears. I still think they're going to they're gonna have a good defense and they should be led by their defense. A couple injuries that you need to keep an eye on this first week that I'm a little concerned about. Uh, but the offense is clearly the, the big question mark. I still think Trubisky's had a lot of success uh, in Detroit, so I'm going to count on a W for the first week. Also, audio foam just fell on my head from my wall while I talked about the Bears, and I consider that a very bad omen for this season. <laughs> I literally just got doinked on the head by my own house in the middle of trying to be optimistic. I, it's a sign. I, I think it's a sign that Mina and Dan and everybody else seem so high on the lines. I'm scared for you. All right, let's do a couple I other... I am scared. Uh, yeah, that's right. but we're here on Monday to get you through it. All right, let's do a couple other games. One each. I'll go uh, with one game I think is going to be really exciting this weekend, and it's... Cowboys. Rams. I believe that the Cowboys are going to end up being very good, but I think we're sleeping on the fact that it's still a new system with a new coach and Dak's got a lot to work out early on in the season. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Cowboys struggle early on. And I think that the Rams are going to be a little better than we expect coming into this season. So I think the Rams can beat the Cowboys this Sunday. And it doesn't mean that the Rams are a better team. It just means the Cowboys are going to be better at the end of the year than they are right now. That is a very bold pick to start off the season with a very talented Cowboys team taking the L. I've got my eye on the game that I think a whole lot of people do, and that is Bucks Saints. Buccaneers Saints. I got the button, Sarah. I got the button. Yeah, you got the button. I mean, listen, I think it's pretty clear. You've got two teams that should be at the top of their games. We don't know what to expect from the Bucks, but a team that was really good and a, and a successful quarterback that doesn't throw the ball away from being decent last year. So if you add a bunch of people, including Tom Brady, why wouldn't you expect something out of them? I'm just interested to see how quickly they pick up a new system, a new tight end, a new quarterback, all this other stuff against a team in the Saints that has consistently been good but hasn't been able to put it all together for a win. I've got my eye on that also. Definitely looking at the Patriots. I really want that question answered, Fitz, that we've been saying for months and months, which is, is Cam healthy? Because that changes everything. Uh, we'll get to some more football coming up. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, brought to you by Shell V Power Nitro Plus. 
premium gasoline. But coming up, a member of the only team in the NFL that owns a W so far this season is going to join us here on ESPN Radio. The NFL season has begun. Got a W for the Chiefs last night. And with that, I need a fantasy team name. I realize I named it after Nick Foles and that he didn't win the job. So you guys need to help me at Sarah Spain, at Spain and Fitz, at Jason Fitz. Give me a new fantasy name. Chicago related, could be related to my team. I'll post the roster. Help me out here. Or, or you could go with like Fitz is the best. No. Spain and Fitz, okay. ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius <laughs> XM Channel 80. If that's your best idea, please don't chime in. I, I'm looking for something creative and clever. I was trying ESPN. not to get in trouble. I'm just saying Fitz is the uh, yeah, fits Best. and giggles, I get it right. Yeah, 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 ESPN yeah, Radio is presented by Progressive's Home Insurance. Get your quote at Progressive.com today. Mentioned that Chiefs win. Chiefs linebacker Anthony Hitchens joins us on the Shell Penzo performance line to talk about it. And I want to start with just logistics, Anthony. Let's get into the details. The first COVID-19 2020 NFL game. How normal or abnormal did last night feel for you? To be honest, it felt more normal than I imagined. I just think the NFLPA and the NFL and the Chiefs as the, uh, the organization did a good job of making it as a regular, typical Sunday or Thursday or Monday night game. And I went through my same routine and got out for the corn toss and things like that, kicked off. We had enough fans that you still can hear it. And then it, it felt as normal as possible. As it just, I think next week when we travel out uh, west, when there's no fans, they might that might be a little different. But for the first one, I, I think that's as normal as I think we can, we're going to get this year. Anthony, we've had all eyes on what adrenaline would be like for players that are coming in and used to having that rush. So how did you find that, or did you have to manufacture it? Like, how did you handle the adrenaline portion of playing? For me, I've been I've been around for a little longer. I mean, it was my seventh year and, and things like that. So I, I, sometimes you just got to find it somewhere else. And I had to rush, and I was excited. And some guys need more fans, some guys don't. Uh, I tend to lean on my teammates' and energy and and uh, just the people around me. And that's where I got my rush and my energy from, just you know, running out as a team and things like that. Fitz, I would also imagine if your job entails getting hit and hitting other people, that <laughs> adrenaline's just kind of there, that's like fair. right that right before you're about to crush some skulls. Chiefs linebacker <laughs> Anthony Hitchens with us on Spain and Fitz. This defense, Anthony, had pressure on Deshaun Watson all night. I don't know if that's their O-line. I don't know how much of that is. You know, he's looking for some receivers to create space, and you guys are all over them. But we talk a whole lot about this Chiefs offense for good reason. Do you feel like your defense gets enough love? I mean, to be honest, I think that's just the cost of business. Uh, we, we go into it not expecting love. Like the old phase they used to say, offense, you know, so Texas defense won championships. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I got We firmly believe in that, and we're just locked in and trying to get better, you know, day in and day out and week in and week out. And our standards are high because we have to keep up with this offense. And I think that's good for us. Anthony, you often hear talking heads talking about how difficult it is for a team to repeat as Super Bowl champions. You guys went into game one with that sort of uh, that moment with you. So was there any difference in, in this team and the way you went into a game knowing that you have that? To talk about repeat and things like that, I, I – to be honest, I never even let that cross my mind. It's definitely hard to repeat. Obviously, we've seen it with history and the numbers. There's no question in my mind that we have the talent, the coaching staff, and the players, and the mindset to do it. But a lot of a lot of other variables play, you know, a part in that. For the most part, we're we're, we're there. I like the way we got up 31-7 last night. But when they start to rally back a little bit, a little uh, at the end, 
I'm glad that it happened. So, you know, no one's satisfied. So we can go back to work and like, you know, like we we need to, to still improve, you know, to be great in this league. And I, I just kind of enjoyed that a little bit. It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Chiefs linebacker Anthony Hitchens with us after last night's big win over the Texans. You mentioned your coaching staff. Allison, without a preseason, with a very weird offseason, there were a lot of questions about how all the different phases of the football game would look, whether people would seem ready. I think the thing that stood out to me the most as not ready was Andy Reid's face mask. <laughs> did he did he try that out in practice? I'm just curious. He looked, as Mina Kimes said, like someone who joined a Zoom call and didn't have good bandwidth. Uh, it was very fuzzy. Uh, what are we doing here? Are we changing this up going forward? Uh, to be honest, I haven't spoken with him yet, so I, I don't I don't know if we're changing it up. But it's kind of like driving, you know. Sometimes the rain might fog up the windshield a little bit, you know, that the heat and the, the early morning. So I don't know if he's going to change it up going forward. But he's calling calls and stuff like that, and he, obviously he's communicating a lot. And all that talking can fog up the, the mask. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I just think the rain has something to do with that as well, like the, the dewy type night we had. But, yeah, I mean, he got it clinked up, and he had the hat, the match, you know, all connected and things <laughs> like that. So he definitely was, you know, had his swagger on for tonight. Uh, see, I like the way you said that, had his swagger. When you're a Super Bowl right, champion, right. you can wear a mask. You can wear whatever sort a of plexiglass you want. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You're a champion. All right, so let's switch gears and go to a serious conversation. Obviously, Anthony, there was a lot of talk last night about the moment of unity before the game. What was the conversation like before you guys came out in deciding how to handle the moment and what was the right approach? Yeah, so our leaders are a team. You know, with the leaders of E-Position and uh, Pat, you know, leading and obviously and, and the way we – came together as you know as a team is we respect everyone's decision opinion and how they want to handle what's going on in today's society and facts are facts it's it's not right what's going on right now and everyone handles things differently and if you think kneeling is what you need to do to bring awareness and some people need to put their fist up some people need to get on their knees and pray and things like that so all we wanted to do, to be honest, as leaders and captains of this team is no matter what you want to do, we're going to support you, you know, and that's all the way from each, from the top all the way to the bottom. So we just wanted to support everybody if they wanted to take in the air or whatever. It's Spain and Fitz, Chiefs linebacker Anthony Hitchens with us on the Shell Penzo performance line. A lot of guys from your squad got paid this offseason, none more so than Patrick Mahomes. Does the whole team just line up after practice and see if they can, you know, borrow a dollar? Or what are we doing here with Patrick? Because I feel like I would make sure I made good friends with him and then never paid for dinner again the rest of the season. Yeah, to be honest, though, when when you line up between those lines, I don't think people actually see or visualize how much money you make or what you do. That's more of like a out for dinner or joking around type thing. Because once you lined up, it's, you know, we're all trying to feed our family at the end of the day. Let's just be real. And that's that's what we're coming to. So I don't think no one's actually lined up. Like, hey, Pat, you know, let me, let me I'm just saying, like, maybe you're not that tight with them. And then you see the contract. You're like, yeah, I should really get to know him better. I really, I should spend more time with him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I don't know if that, that actually goes around in the NFL. But, I mean, congratulations to him. I, honestly, he deserves every bit of it. If you ever met and talked with Pat, he... He's the perfect human being. Like he's the perfect quarterback. He he does things the right way. That's the most important thing. He he's standing up for what's right. Uh, he's not just standing up for what's need to be stand up for. He he's doing what he thinks and 
what's right in his mind, which is right in, in our community and not just in Kansas City, but in this whole world. And he has a platform that 90% of a lot of us will never reach. So he's trying to use it to bring everybody together. And you can ask for more. And that's both quarterbacks last night both have platforms that's out this roof and they're bringing awareness to cities and countries and things like that. So I just think if we, as a group, continue to do that, I just feel like it'll just make this place a better, you know, home. Did you guys honestly, Anthony, notice the booze from the crowd last night when you had that unified moment? Yeah, I honestly, I did for, uh, I, I heard it. And I, I just think like it's, I, I'm not sure if fans just booze because some fans boo if, of a bad play, but I just think it's still different when you boo when we trying to bring everybody together. I mean, I, I mean, I wasn't happy personally with it, but I don't think they know what they were going for, uh, what we were doing as a group. So I just feel like the more we get it out there and let people know, it'd be less booze in the future. I mean, we yeah. expected that coming forward. Like a lot of people don't respect all of our decisions obviously, but when you make a decision and you're able to explain why you did it, you know, it, it's a, it weighs on you a little different. You know, it's, it's different from being able to say what you want and do what you want through social media or through just being in the, the stands, say what you want, do what you want, yell what you want, to actually seeing what, you know, what, what we're trying to accomplish. Chief linebacker Anthony Hitchens, we appreciate you giving us some time. Congrats on the win, and appreciate you talking about how much Patrick Mahomes and uh, and uh, Deshaun Watson have in common, and not mentioning that both were drafted after Mitchell Trubisky. I, it's just <laughs> I I got that enough last night, and I I, I get it. Uh, thanks, Anthony. Appreciate it. Uh, appreciate you guys having me. You guys have a good night. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $750 on average. Call or click today and find out if they could save you hundreds on your car insurance. I did, in fact, get whatever that meme is. There was like 11 versions of Watson ending up on the bench sitting next to Mahomes and they're chatting. And every single one of them had to do with, hey, can you believe Mitch Trubisky won the starting job? Or like, hey, neither of us is Mitch Trubisky. Isn't that nice? Or can you believe Mitch Trubisky got drafted before? Like every version was sent to me or I was tagged in it on Instagram. Even Stosh, who couldn't just sit at home and enjoy his team's victory, had to go ahead and send it to me on Facebook. Just wanted to make sure you got it. very little, Stosh, for that. I will never, ever live it down. I can't wait till Mitch has a great season. Uh, it's not going to happen. Sure. Coming up, we get you ready for game seven of Celtics-Raptors next. Hey, look, I love fans being fired up and positive. I mean, I would remind Jenny that those quads were there last year. Didn't necessarily help. It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN <laughs> Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. She's Sarah Spain. I'm Jason Fitz. And obviously... This is the first uh, what the the first Friday before a full slate of NFL games. But let's be real. There is also a game seven that we have got to get into. So let's get some straight talk. Straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless on Celtics Raptors, a series that has been an American treasure, really a, a true delight. And to help us uh, figure out what to anticipate out of the game seven tonight, we're going to get two different sides of this, Sarah. So let's start by uh, heading over to the Shell Penzo performance line where Matt Devlin, Raptors broadcaster, joins us. So, Matt, uh, this is your opportunity to educate us on why you think the Raptors are going to take down the Celtics. Tell us what you think the key is for Toronto tonight. Well, I think there's multiple. First of all, thanks for having me on. But I think that there's multiple uh, factors going into tonight. There's never just one thing, right? So, 
you know, for the Raptors, Kyle Lowry, you look at the wins compared to the losses. He's got to be effective. Last year, game seven, Serge Ibaka against Philadelphia was a major presence off of the bench with 17. And I know we always think back to Kawhi in the shot, but Serge was certainly a major key. I don't expect Kemba Walker to play 50 plus minutes and have just five points. So limiting what Kemba does is going to be uh, another factor. So there's multiple levels to this, as well as the fact that, as we know, there were a ton of minutes played in the double overtime game, except actually uh, for Marcus Saul, as well as Serge Ibaka. So it's going to be intriguing. It could be one of those old time, old school, Eastern conference, grind them out sort of games as, Uh, you know, this moves on here this evening. Matt, I said on Around the Horn today that I think the Raptors have the edge, assuming any of the supporting cast shows up just enough to help Kyle Lowry, who's a man on a mission. The Celtics obviously have so much depth there if all of those guys are firing. And somehow Kyle Lowry uh, has been such a man on a mission that he has been able to buoy what's been a bit disappointing from some of his supporting cast. How important is that depth on the Raptor side, especially considering how tired and fatigued they might be from that last game? Well, it's interesting because when you look at Boston, you know, their five starters have played uh, as many minutes as anybody in the uh, second round, and they've scored more than any other starting five. But you're exactly right, Sarah. I mean, I think that it's extremely important that it's not just Kyle. We know that Fred Van Vliet has put together games in this series. OG Ananobi has been that constant presence throughout uh, the first six games, which is great. And also, as we saw the other night, when they go small, he can play at the five. And then Marcus all in the third quarter the other night, you know, ended up making two threes. And that certainly provided a lift. Serge Ibaka, you go back to... Uh, you know, game four, and he was four or four from three. So all those factors are, you know, the reason why the Raptors are where they are. But the one player that, you know, I didn't mention was Pascal Siakam. Pascal, Mm -hmm. if he's engaged defensively, uh, you know how good of a defender he can be, uh, as well as the fact, and Jack Armstrong, my broadcast partner, says this, you know, with respect to the rebounds as well as the assists, right? What else is he doing? defensively as well as getting rebounds and also involving others and making those good decisions when the double does come continue to take Jalen Brown into the post we've seen that multiple times Uh, Pascal is second in post-up scoring you know during the postseason behind Joel Embiid of course you know no longer in the postseason so he's doing the right things the question is will that three come around and he did make a a big shot, as you recall, Sarah, the other night when it was 112-110, that turnaround right there, short corner, knocked it down, 112-112, and all of a sudden, you know, does that provide life for him here this evening? So, uh, to me, that that will be important uh, because that's the way collectively those seven, and, you know, Matt Thomas may get those five, six minutes, but those seven, that's the seven for the Toronto Raptors, right? Norman Powell, who was spectacular in game six, you know, along with the other names that I've mentioned. Matt, we really appreciate your expertise and your insights. Stay safe, my friend. Thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight. 
You got it. All the best. Matt Devlin, their Raptors broadcaster. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio. And this is one of my favorite things we do when we're breaking down games. We're able to suddenly flip the switch and go to the other side of the coin. So let's do that now. We'll stay on the Shell Penzo Performance Line, where we're now joined by Chris Forsberg, NBC Sports Boston, to get the other side uh, of perspective on this matchup. So, Chris, we were just talking about depth and how it plays into this. How do you think depth plays into what the Celtics need to do tonight? Yeah, I, I, you know, it's interesting because, again, a, a lot of guys played big minutes, and I do think it's been it's been quite a series. So you do wonder what everyone's got left in the tank. The Celtics don't have the luxury of, of much depth, especially without Gordon Hayward out there in this series. So you figure their starters are going to have to play some pretty hefty minutes, and, you know, you don't want to have to lean too heavy on, on the Brad Wanamakers and Robert Williams and Grant Williams of the world. You know, and, and I think ultimately it's, it, that's what it comes down to, right? It's like, look, you know, I'm sure these guys are gassed, but it's also game seven. It's a chance to go and play in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Miami Heat. I don't think energy is going to be all that big of a deal unless this thing goes into another couple overtimes. So uh, <laughs> and I, I think Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, they're young enough. They're, they'll be ready to, to ratchet it up and go. I think these guys are, are, you know, like Brad Stevens said after game six, go ice your legs for a little bit and let's see what happens. Chris, you know, the sort of, United front of the four best players on the Celtics has been great, but you almost wonder if they need someone to step up and be the man. Kemba Walker in the last game, the, the, the two made field goals was, was crazy. And Jason Tatum, as good as he's been at times disappeared as well. Uh, who needs to be the man tonight and do they need one or can they just keep spreading the love? Yeah. You know, it, it, I think Tatum and Walker both have to be really good. And so like, look, Kemba, they throw the box and one at him the other night and kind of, take him out of any sort of rhythm early. He never really got it going from there. You know, he did have open shots. You go back and look at the NBA's tracking data. I think he had, you know, something like 10 of his 11 shots were deemed open. Just didn't make them. And, of course, like the late drive, you got the NBA says he gets fouled on. But, you know, uh, that being said, he, he had opportunities and he didn't make them. And the same thing with Tatum. Like, we've sort of been talking about it the last couple of days up here. And he has almost 30 points and a triple-double or close to it. And we're sitting here thinking, well, Jason Tatum could probably do a little bit more. He had those two turnovers late, the one where Nick Nurse is standing on the corner and another one in overtime where they go the other way and sort of get the clinching three-point play. You know, I just think, and especially in games like that, where, you know, every little bit matters, you just got to be a little bit better. And so I don't, it's hard for me to imagine that Kemba Walker has gone through what he has in the NBA and never tasted winning and isn't, really really excited to get out there tonight and try to atone for a for a lackluster game six and I, I i think tatum as we all try to judge whether he is going to make that ascension to to like superstar and whatever you want to call it top five top ten whatever he's he's destined for here you know these are the sort of games where you have to go out and be a be a be a, a critical part of 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 winning those games and so uh I, i'm in, i'm fascinated to see how it plays out and who steps up i, I think the Celtics need both of those guys to be good and probably one of them to be great. We're talking to Chris Forsbergs from NBC Sports Boston. Chris, you just mentioned that every little thing matters, but one of the things in this series is that the Raptors have been in every possible situation, and they're coming off a championship. So how do the the Celtics sort of overcome that experience and that belief that the Raptors obviously have to have in their DNA right now? 
Yeah, and like, look, I think I think that matters, right? Because once you've been there, you're just not overwhelmed by the moment. And look, going game, rewind to game three, and no better example of that than you know half second left, and they make the play to prolong this thing. You know, Celtics are. I mean, Celtics fans were sitting there thinking this was going to be a sweep after they get that late bucket, and all of a sudden we got ourselves a series, and it's seven, which you know probably all of us thought it was going to go before it uh, because of the competitiveness of this team. It's just you know they've had them on the ropes a couple times and just haven't been able to deliver that knockout blow. You know, the one thing I keep hearing is sometimes people say, well, you know, the Celtics still have a young roster and maybe they're just not ready to make that step. Well, look at the number of playoff games that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have played. They were four minutes away from the finals two years ago against LeBron. Like, these guys have been through it, and there's no excuse for them. Uh, the Raptors are a prideful group, and they're, they're clearly not going to go easy. But, you know, there's enough talent on this Celtics squad. There's enough experience here where uh, they should be able to, to get to the finish line of a series like this with the talent they've gotten. So that's their challenge. Like, you know, how does Brad Stevens negate what Nick Nurse has done and when he takes away Kemba Walker? And how do you get Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum going? So uh, it's a fun little chess match. But, yeah, I, I just don't I, – I, I, one of the greatest things that, that – one of the greatest strengths is for Toronto is just that ability to, to have belief in yourself and, and never feel like you're out of it. Chris, we really appreciate you hanging out with us. We appreciate the insight. Thanks so much for coming on the show, my friend. Thanks, y'all. It's great to get both sides of that uh, situation, and that's a little bit of straight talk there. Straight talk, wireless, no contracts, no compromise. We'll keep breaking it down. Don't forget, you need to tune in for baseball action this Sunday. The Dodgers host the Astros, presented by Geico. Coverage of Sunday Night Baseball begins at 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, and at 8 p.m. on ESPN. So, yes, we've got a short show. That means we're going to do everything with a fired-up pace. You're about to get some fry. Yeah! And some speed round divisional picks. That's all coming up next from some NFL action. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. <laughs> the ESPN app. Sirius XM. We ended up Channel. on 60s dance party with the music, thanks to Mitchell tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you, what, what the world will never know is that Mitchell just got up in front and of me. He's doing the Carlton? And did, yes, the full <laughs> thing. And it was as bad as you think it might be. No offense, Mitchell. Love I'm you. picturing it. It's terrible. She's Sarah Spain. I'm Jason Fitz. It's Spain and Fitz ESPN Radio. Tune into Bloodlines. It's a three-part podcast written and told by ESPN's Wright Thompson that examines the world of thoroughbred horse racing. Download, subscribe, and review Bloodlines. Available wherever you enjoy your podcast. You know what day of the week it is, Sarah? Do you have any idea what day of the week it is? It's Friday! Now, if you guys spend your time on ESPN Radio all day hanging out, you know that uh, Chinay and Golik Jr. try and do their dance moves, and it, it was particularly haphazard and bad today. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jr. Too looked damn awful. Friday. Well, it's because Cornette was in there, and we know he can't be trusted with the dancing. Uh, the, the two of them are trying to outdance each other, and neither of them were looking <laughs> good at all. Doing. I'm just throwing all the shade all day long. I mean, Mike supposedly can dance, but he did not show it off today. We are going <laughs> to show off Friday the way that only we can on this show. We got to get through some divisional picks. We got a short show, so Sarah. Sarah, what do you say we blast through some NFL picks? Are you ready for this level? Oh, this is going to be speedy. All right. So uh, let's start uh, with the NFC. We'll start with ladies' choice. We'll start with your division or your conference, I should say. Uh, Why don't we start with the NFC East? I am going to – I said earlier I think the Cowboys are going to lose on Sunday, but how do you like this? I think the Cowboys are going to win the division. So Mm. it's going to take them a little time to get all of those magical pieces playing together, but it's like a great soup. It just needs time to come together. Once it does, it will be delicious, and they will win the division. I completely agree with you. I'm not sure yet if I think they'll actually advance beyond where they've uh, continued to get stuck in previous years, but the talent is there. They'll win that division. All right, we, we agree on the first one. Holy cow, okay. Let's go to the NFC North. This is a division that I know that you are quite passionate about. 
I last year was all in on the Vikings, and boy, did I look like a moron for part of the year. So, like any idiot, I'm going to run right back into the same brick wall known as the Minnesota Vikings, and I'm going to believe that somehow this is the year that Kirk Cousins doesn't disappoint me, and the Vikings are going to win the North. I'm just not certain about any team in the NFC North. My expectations aren't super high for the teams coming out of there, but I think the Packers and Aaron Rodgers with something still to prove before the inevitable uh, dethroning are going to take it again this year. Neither of us are going with any Lions love because, as I mentioned earlier, like Mina, Mina Kimes and Dan Orlovsky, like a lot of our NFL Live people have been high on the Lions. I just can't make that happen. I, I just <laughs> I can't get rid of it. Okay. All right. Uh, good talk. All right. So let's go to the NFC South. Uh, look, I know everybody loves Tampa Bay, and, and fine, I know Tampa Bay, but the Saints, to me, are still the, the best team, not only in the division, but I think in the conference. So uh, I can't see a way that that Tampa unseats them. I got New Orleans within the division still. There's something about the Saints that get, does make you a little concerned, right? Can you keep going back every year, keep making it as deep as they had? Um, but there's no reason for me, I haven't seen any reason to think otherwise. So despite some people making the hot takes that they won't even make the postseason, I still have the Saints winning that division. You know what? I would have no problem, by the way, if the Saints just wanted to go ahead and wait for the end of the year to be good and maybe take week two off. I don't know who they play week two, but they could <laughs> wow. just take week two off. All right. One more division in the conference, the NFC West. I got the Seahawks winning the NFC West, and I don't, I don't know that I love that pick. I just... I feel like a couple of years ago we were enamored with the Jags defense and how it was going to carry them forward, and then it's uh, the Bears defense was going to carry them forward. Like I feel like we always presume that a great defense is going to make a team great for years, and it's not that simple. So uh, Seattle's a better team, even though San Francisco's a better defense, so I'm taking the Seahawks. I have a lot of trouble with this division. There's, a, there's several good teams, and after the 49ers run last year, it's hard to pick against them, but I think they might have a mild Super Bowl hangover. And the Seahawks were on the brink of taking them out. So I'm leaning towards the Seahawks as well. Okay. So uh, do we want to give out wild cards? Should we? Should yeah, we let's, do okay. it. let's do it. All right. So for the wild card picks, I got the Eagles because I still think they're going to be a very good team. And it's going to be a dogfight all the way through uh, with the Cowboys. I've also got the Falcons. I think they're going to take a big step. Yeah, they, they were terrible the first half of the year last year, but good the back half of the year. And I do think the 49ers still sneak their way in. Okay. I'm going with the Bucks. Again, I think it might take them a little bit of time to get started. They might be slow early on, but this was a good team in need of a good, solid quarterback. And if Tom Brady still got something, we'll see. I I think they slide in. And then I've got the Niners and the Rams coming out of the NFC West. Like I said, I think the Niners have a little bit of a hangover, but they're still a talented team that I think could make a run. And then I don't know why the Rams inconsistency on the offensive line, I think contributed a lot to their step back. They've still got talent on that team and I like their coach. So I'm I'm going to, I'm going to get the Rams in there. I like that Rams pick. That was a really tough one for me. So let's move over to the AFC on Spain and Fitz as we're giving you our quick fire divisional previews. Uh, AFC East. I'm taking the bills who all the pressures on Josh Allen because everything else is right with that team. And if, if Josh Allen takes a step forward, the bills I think could be the second best team in the conference. I agree with you. I was uh, It was tough. I do have some faith in the Patriots putting something together, but uh, the Bills are my pick, and I think I'm hotter on Allen than a lot of other people are. I skew more looking to his upside and growing and maturing than people who look at the moments where he forgets how to football. Uh, that is a maddening part of uh, what people love and hate about him. All right, the AFC North. Uh, I've got the Ravens, obviously. We all remember who they were in the last uh, last year in the regular season. But I think this division, by the end of the year, my, my in my mind at least, could end up being the toughest division in football. I agree with you on that, too. We're, we're 
Eric simpatico on a lot of this, which actually really, really worries me a lot because yep. uh, normally when you I are. go oppo of you, I tend to win those yep. bets. Uh, but I agree with you on this one as well. I, I think that this is going to go uh, the way of the Ravens. Again, I, I'm interested to see, though, how teams adjust to covering Lamar Jackson after seeing him last year. Yeah, f- fair point. By the way, even the bottom-feeding bang- Bengals, uh, as they've been for so many years, are going to be much, much, I much agree. better. Than, and Joe Burrow, excited to watch fun them. to watch. I can't wait. AFC South, I got the Titans winning a division where I don't think the ten- the – the uh, Texans are going to be good. I think that Phillip Rivers is a liability and the Jags stink. So there we go. This was another really tough one for me. I feel like the Texans, Colts, and Titans could all be near the top, but not in a very good, like in an in a 8 and 8, 9 and 7 kind of way. But they could also be trash, right? The Titans could take a deep step back. I, the Jaguars are out of it. And, and again, same with Phillip Rivers. Get a little long in the tooth. Uh, I went with the Texans, though. I still think they've got talent. And when I, when I like your quarterback the way I like Watson, I think there's a chance for them. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, you got a quarterback. you got a chance. And I, I think in the easiest division to pick in all of yeah, football, yeah. the Chiefs yeah. are going to win the West, yeah, right? 100%. Like, okay, the, the, that's great. Don't enough. need to waste any time yeah. on that. Move on to the wild cards. All right, so the wild cards for me are at the Steelers, who last year would have made the playoffs even with hot garbage at quarterback. Now they get Ben back. I think they're going to be very good. The Browns, I've got as a wild card team. I know that they last year they had all the talent in the world. They had terrible coaching. They fixed part of that, I think. So I think the Browns take a step forward. And for the first time in years, I am predicting that my beloved Raiders are taking oh, home a wild card. Okay, well, that's the worst take I've ever heard. I, I haven't Why ta- do you do this to yourself? I haven't picked the Raiders to make the playoffs oh, no. in years. In uh, don't get your hopes years up. It's the- better to be surprised when you're mediocre. Yeah, well, I, I still think they're an 8-8 eight and eight team, but they're going to make the playoffs. That's all I'm saying. All right. My wild cards are the Patriots. I do think that Cam's got something left, and with that coach and that – uh, that that uh, history, I think I'm going to go with the Patriots squeezing in. I'm with you on the Steelers. I also think they'll be improved with Ben back for one last run. And the Titans. I have faith that the Titans are going to back up what they did last year. They invested in the guys that took them so far and, and surprised. I think they will get in as well. Well, look at that. We got through it. Check out ESPN Audio at home by telling Alexa to play news from ESPN. ESPN Audio at home brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Vans. Drive a Mercedes-Benz van. Find out how far an extra mile really goes from customization and service to financial assistance. Mercedes-Benz Vans are ready for anything. We're ready to give you a bubble wrap. We'll head down to give you our thoughts from everything NBA and a strange but true baseball nugget. Coming up next. So I have to get in this baseball stat. It is too wild. Uh, And it's time for the progressive MLB snapshot. The Rays, who have the lead in the American League East, uh, but have lost three of their last four, are trying to switch things up tonight. And so tonight, they are going all left. Manager Kevin Cash batting nine left-handers in the order against the Red Sox and Andrew Triggs. It's the first time it's happened in the majors in the modern era since 1900, according to ESPN stats and info. So not only are the Rays first placers, uh, uh, but they are they're going to all southpaw in the lineup tonight. That actually raises a really interesting question of weird. Like, if the Bears aren't playing well, is there some weird superstition? Like, are you a person that changes your hat or whatever? Like, is that right, could, like what make feels some like change? Yeah. No, I tend not to blame myself or believe that I have control. Uh, I don't, you know, stick with the same outfit or the same chair or the same food or anything. Um, but if I were a manager, I might be tempted to get weird with it, like like cash is. So uh, more power to you. I, I just got to say that, that that's why you're an adult and a professional because the number right, of times right, right. I've and been not sitting, a child. yeah, like the number you, of times yeah. I've been like, oh no no no, I I have nothing to do with it, and then I'll move to a different chair and the Raiders start playing well, and I'm like. I have nothing to do with it. I was just more comfortable in that seat. Yeah, that doesn't over surprise there. me at all. Yeah, no, of course. Just, yeah, not at all. You're welcome. Uh, that baseball tidbit brought to you by Progressive Insurance drivers who save with Progressive save over seven hundred and fifty dollars on average. We'll see how the soft paws do. We'll see if they get it done. 
Uh, don't forget, by the way, you can tune in for an AL East rivalry tomorrow as the Yankees host the Orioles. Coverage begins at 12.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Keeping up with those Yankees and seeing if they uh, manage to make their way into the postseason despite a terrible run of late is uh, is worth worth watching for. Speaking of worth watching, we do have that Game 7 Celtics-Raptors tonight. But right now, we've got uh, other baseball actually actually going on right now. I'm sorry, basketball going on right now during our show. So we're keeping an eye on whether the Clippers can finish off the Nuggets. We're looking ahead to Celtics-Raps. Uh, and um, while we do that, since we're, we're looking in and peering into the bubble, that means it's a bubble wrap. Hold on, I've got the I've got the sound effect and I forgot it's on me. Oh no! I, I'm supposed to hit it and I can't find it. It's they hit it. Oh, there it is. There it is. I failed. That's Honestly, on me. this is creepy, but it sounded like your sigh of relaxation over finding it came at the same time as those bubbles, and it almost sounded like well, I'm not even gonna say it. If Let's I can't, it's bubble wrap. If I can't toot in the bathtub, when can I toot? Yeah, it sounded like you were you you need you were running to the bathroom and ah, oh, I made it. <laughs> we're building. Yeah, that's I'm just it, it was an unfortunate timing of the way you went uh, went with that. Okay. Let's get into the bubble wrap. Uh, and speaking of getting into the bubble, someone got out of the bubble. Daniel House removed from the bubble fits. It's an incredible story. It's one we kind of joked about uh, as we were wondering, you know, how are these guys going to stay busy, I guess, is, is one way to put it, mm. uh, while in the bubble if they are not married or otherwise allowed to bring in a significant other. I think that Daniel House is actually married. I don't know if his wife's in the bubble, but I do know that somebody who was not allowed in the bubble was in his room for several hours. His postseason is now complete. He had a guest in the room that was not authorized to be on campus, and now he's just out. He's gone. I can't imagine what this means for a Rockets team and a coach and teammates who look over and say, really, bruh? Like, we're still in the middle of a postseason run. Yeah, I, I just wonder what your logic path looks like in this because you're right, at least according to social media. I mean, I the, it, leave it to Twitter to find pictures of his family everywhere. So you're, you're suddenly thinking about what it means for him on a personal level and a business level and, and why you think that you could get away with it. I mean, uh, we've talked about before the report line or the snitch line or what anyone wants to call it. I mean, you're taking such a huge risk in bringing anyone into the bubble that you're not supposed to be with that hasn't been approved that you're not only taking a risk on a personal level, but you're taking the risk on a professional and business level, and you're you're trusting that nobody's going to see it and nobody's going to essentially rat you out if you do something? I mean, that just doesn't seem real. I can't imagine his logic thread. And initially, he denied everything. We'll see what he says now that the, the NBA has completed their investigation and told him he has to leave. But if I'm the Rockets, I'm looking around thinking, man, uh, we need it. They, they need every resource they can get. So you got to feel like he let them down. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, infidelity, I guess, goes to all involved, right? It's it's infidelity to his wife, but also to his teammates and, and everybody who have, have are, are in this trust experiment. Um, both he and Tyler Chandler were informed on Tuesday that they were under investigation after the NBA found that a female subcontractor who had worked in the bubble went through security checkpoints and then gained access to the hotel. Chandler was cleared sent back and joined the team for game four house was not. And he was confined to his room as they continued the investigation. Like you said, he has denied involvement, but they found enough evidence and felt it sufficient enough to keep him out of the series and out of the bubble and done for the season. 
which uh, I would think is probably some pretty definitive evidence. Yeah, I mean, that, the reality of it is they are in a, a Disney property, right? Those properties have security cameras. There are ways for them to look in, into all of And I'm sure they invested this. in their own security around many spaces to be certain that they could keep track of these things. Absolutely. I mean, they're in a bubble where, frankly, all you have to do is step on the wrong side of a line to pick up food, and you can find yourself in trouble, as we've seen since this all started. So it, again, speaks to not just the bad decision-making, but the selfishness in the process mm-hmm. and, and looking at it. If, if all of this is true, then what you have is somebody that came in and put his own personal needs for several hours one night ahead of not only his family, but also the way he pays his bills and his living. I mean, I, I just I can't wrap my head around the entire thought process and what he was thinking when he went through this. Wasn't using his head. Uh, also worth noting, by the way, that this reminds me of Clevenger and the Indians, and you have to ask yourself and wonder what does this mean for his future because a lot of Indians players were no longer willing to be on a team with him and no longer willing to play. He was around because they felt like it was such an, an insult to them and what they'd all invested in. will be interesting to see how the Rockets react to Daniel House going forward long term. Meanwhile, they reacted very poorly to the challenge of basketball that was set out in front of them last night. And Fitz, I, I have to ask you this. We crack jokes on here about, uh, you know, James Harden forgetting how to basketball. Or we, we, we toss it up to, like, oh, James Harden and the issues with uh, the strip club going or whatever else we find. But we don't ever really dig into his psyche in the way we do with other people like, say, Embiid or even Giannis. He's the superstar that they built a system around, and they were willing to depend on a system that involves one person creating his own shot with iso ball and, and needing him to show up every night. And routinely, over the last couple of years, he has not when it comes to the postseason. This last game, he shot two for 11 from the field, and he did not take a shot in the fourth quarter. How can you be a superstar who is allegedly one of the most difficult to cover and hardest to stop offensive players in the history of the game, and you can't even get yourself a shot in the fourth? I don't think he's getting hit up nearly enough for what a disappointment he was to his team and the fact that everyone kind of agreed that they gave up. In the middle of a postseason series, they just gave up. You're so right, and I'm not sure why he's protected. And I know that it's there's a level of people that will listen to that and say, oh, no, people rip on Harden all the time. Not the same way that they rip on other superstars that just disappear. I mean, we saw it early in the playoffs where people were turning around and saying, well, you know what, he didn't shoot well, but look at the defense he played at the end of the game. And it's, When you're at Harden's level, you have to be great every single night in the playoffs because that's what we demand of everybody else. If we're going to demand it of AD or LeBron or anybody else in this situation that's at that level, we have to demand it of him too. And so at some point, the Rockets are going to have to look around and figure out what the problem is because you can get away with having that sort of a bad game once, but at some point you're going to have to turn around and you're going to have to make amends for it. And every time he's had the opportunity to shift the narrative on who he is in pressure moments, it seems like he hasn't been able to get it done when they need him to get it done the most. And for that, not only should NBA fans be ripping on him, but the Rockets should be looking in the mirror and figuring out what they have to do about somebody that doesn't have the right it factor to get that moment done and win those games. I completely agree. We got to go, but I think part of it might be there's so much arguing about is he traveling, is he not? Do you appreciate the way he plays? What are the aesthetics of his style and all that that we get wrapped up in that and then defensive of him as a player, forgetting that there's a whole other conversation about his psyche and what he brings to the table in terms of effort. Uh, Shout out to KP on Twitter who was uh, getting some of the jokes I was making during that Daniel House segment. I don't know if they went over your head, but uh, I'm glad someone was using it.
It's the after party on a Friday. That's right. Usually we try and do a pre-party on a Friday so that we can immediately start partying after the show. But tonight we were too excited. So we decided we would do it after the show, Sarah, and uh, got a lot to get into that we didn't get into. This is exclusive stuff. You can't get it on the actual show. You got to listen to the podcast for this stuff. So, Sarah, I will ask you, we, we're going to get into some interesting, you know, boy man talk in a second. But before we do that... <laughs> Any rituals like this is a big weekend for you and I both. We're both football junkies. Mm-hmm. We're, we both love it. Do you have like anything that you're planning this weekend that is going to be the the moment to celebrate the beginning of the Bears? Well, I'm sort of celebrating because my husband's gone, and this that sounds mean, but <laughs> here's the thing: uh, we've been together every second for how long has it been now? Seven months. Mm. Um, And, like, we haven't taken any trips. We took one out of town, and we were together for it. So he's off having a boys' weekend at some cabin upstate in in the uh, UP of Michigan. And so for some reason, even though I love hanging out with him and he wouldn't disrupt my football watching, there's, like, this extra freedom feeling to, like, I literally have the house to myself all Sunday. So I think I'm going to make a big pot of chili. Mm. And I'm actually – I've been putting together – after Mina Kimes came on my podcast and told me about her NFL binder, where she literally has pages and pages of information about each team that she refers to and updates, I started doing one a couple of weeks ago. So I'm going to finish my NFL binder and get all my information ready to be able to follow along with the season and analyze the teams and everything else. Um, so a little arts and crafts, chili, and then not leave my couch for the entirety of Sunday's games. God, I have so many questions here. What's in the binder? <laughs> like, uh, we'll get to what's, what's in, in the, the chili. Well, yeah, what's in the box? Now, what's, what's in the binder? Like, Well, if you'd like to, first of all, you should go back and listen to the Mina Kimes episode of my podcast. It was just before she started her gig with the Rams doing preseason calls uh, for games. And uh, I asked her sort of what's her prep like for that and how does she learn all the guys in the preseason roster and everything else. And she went into detail about this binder, and she's got, you know, pages and pages for each team reminding her who, like, the, the main players are. What what are your feelings on their defensive pressure or, or their secondary? How do you feel about their running game from last year, and what additions have they made? Who's left? Who's come? Um, all that stuff. And then she can kind of interchange information as she updates and changes her opinions based on week to week. So it's just kind of uh, instead of having disparate information all over the place, it's one go-to for – I'm going to be talking about or watching this this game. Here's the here's the things I want to pay attention to. That is amazing. I'm going to go back and check She's that out. She's smarter than all of us. Well, times that, a billion. Teams, I mean, so. yes. I mean, there's a laundry list of people here that are on that for me personally. But yes, <laughs> she's definitely. So, what's in the chili? That's the next follow up question. Well, okay. So I feel very strongly that um, at least for me, first of all, as a vegetarian, I'm not going to put in a bunch of meat, and I don't even need fake meat in it because I think a, just a beautiful bean laden chili is the way to go. But I feel very strongly about not having carrots in it and i love carrots i just don't want carrots in my chili so if i look for a recipe and carrots pop up they're out i don't just i don't just erase them from the recipe i move on and find a completely separate recipe from someone who doesn't believe that carrots belong uh so it's just a, a number of beans the diced tomatoes the onions all that stuff and then you take a little uh greek yogurt instead of sour cream it's a healthier way to add that sort of cool chill on top some uh, drizzles of either leeks or um, something like that. You get some shredded cheddar cheese on top. Bada bing, bada boom. You got a delicious chili. Uh, it sounds delightful. This was like a, a real conversation piece for Sonny and I when we first uh, when we first started dating because 
back when we first started dating, I actually had won a couple of chili contests. Like I, I wow, had quite, yeah, quite the quite the chili guy. Let's so, add this to things we bet on, so that you are forced to make me some. I mean, I'll, I'll make chili anyway. It's one of my favorite things to do, and I like getting rant. Like I'm not a guy that says, "Okay, this has to be my one recipe." I like to make a lot of different ways. Right. But I mix it up. I don't save one. I just go looking and then find something looks good. Uh, totally. And you know, one thing that's interesting is like she grew up in Indiana, and she grew up like her mom always made what she what they call chili soup. Like so, it's much. Uh, much soupier, not nearly as dense mm. and thick, but it, which is no, not my thing you. at all. I but, like a stew. Uh, yeah, me too. Like I want it to be like, you know, like you got to chew it, right? Well, but, that's unnecessary. Uh, but, but yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Use your words, friend. <laughs> I can't, uh, you know. Uh, but here's the, the the interesting thing is that she grew up, uh, and I think it's an Indiana thing. I don't know. It could be a her family thing. She grew up with cornbread at the bottom, and then you put the Ooh. chili on top. Ooh, I and, forgot to add. I always put corn in, even if the recipe doesn't ask for it. Yeah, I love corn. Uh, corn, corn. I'm all in on. But she, uh, like, somewhere in her family, they started using like little macaroni noodles, and then. Uh, on top of the macaroni okay. noodles, they would put like a piece of cornbread, and then they would put the chili on top of that, and that's how they ate it. But I oh. always grew up with the chili with the cheese and the sour cream on top. So I ended yes. up, when we started like living together, I ended up combining the two. So it became this like this decadent layered chili thing. So now that's the wow. one consistent. Wow. Like whenever that's she's good. around, she always wants the macaroni in the bottom, and then the the cornbread, then the chili, then the cheese, then the sour cream. But I love your Greek yogurt idea. I am going yeah, to try that. It's a great way to cut fat and calories, and you really don't miss it. It's more about, I mean, sour cream is better. It tastes better. But for the most part, you don't miss it, and you still have the same effect. I'm really, I forgot about the cornbread for this weekend. You know what's good is if you can get a really good cornbread crouton. Oh, wow. That sounds delightful. It's a solid addition because sometimes with like the cornbread, it's falling apart and you're trying to like dip it and then mix it on the same spoon and it, it's kind of crumbly. If you get a little bit of a harder cornbread crouton, mm, it's delicious. Now look, I, I feel like we many, should not have done this before yeah, I ate dinner. Many of our so after parties right now. now have become like they're all food and alcohol based. <laughs> That's basically what it is. This yeah. is like the day, the day is done. We need to get our priorities in order. That is remarkable. Okay. So uh, for me, you know what? I It's not cold enough yet for chili i like to wait on chili until it's a little cooler so it's chili true. is one it's of my football traditions but yeah the last couple of days all of a sudden so it felt like the time oh see that that would make a, a big difference but you and i had talked before about charcuterie boards and how we both miss them mm. well i gotta give a shout out to the the people at pita they uh they sent they sent a little charcuterie fun on so i've been waiting and I'm going to bust that out for the Raiders game. I figure I'm going to be Ooh. a little bougie for the first Raiders game. I'll make myself like a a vegan uh, charcuterie board to start with, which sounds delightful. Before anybody rolls their eyes, try it before you, you get into it. I've heard, I posted a photo of all the spread that they sent, and I had a lot of people in my comments being like, ooh, that cheese is so good. See? So I'm, I'm excited, yeah. that That's the only, and then the one other thing is, uh, to nobody's surprise, I have a lot of little Raiders things like, uh, like I have a helmet and then like Funko Pops and things like that. I like to move all of them into the room that I'm watching the game in over the course of Sunday morning. So I will set the whole living room up to be one massive Raider palace. And then, you know, the funny thing is, uh, you know, e- even in Connecticut where things are more open and there are places that have Sunday ticket and things like that, I don't want to watch the Raiders game around anybody. Like I, I So mm-hmm. I'll have two TVs out. I'll have one that has just the Raiders on it. And then another TV that I can just flip to any other game that's going on. Yeah, most of the time I prefer to be alone because I want to go back and forth between red zone and games. I don't want people to talk. I want to listen to the analysis. So, like, my groups of watching, I pick my battles on that. I only do it every once in a while. And then I probably watch the game a second time on my own. See, that's that's a good way. Like, I like to watch other games going on. And then I have, like, the NFL Game Pass that at night puts all the games up condensed. 
And that's when I really go yeah. in like and, and, it's you very know, smart. That I way, should look into like, that. That's oh. a good tip. By the way, if you're having a charcuterie plate, that probably means, um, and, and we don't need to get into the details of what you normally imbibe. I know you're not into wine, so will you add wine to that, or are you just gonna you're gonna pour your, uh, you know, whatever your basic bitch drink is into yeah, a wine yeah. glass and but, pretend? You know what? Uh, so uh, there, there are a couple options here. Yes, I am going to have wine. I like a little red with my charcuterie. Yeah. I like a little cab. red. Uh, but cab. I do like Big my juicy cab. This is really gonna hurt your heart i like my red oh, no. cold so Ooh, I, like, like i know cold or I, slightly chilled uh, like an ice cube or actually in the fridge i've got a little wine fridge and it's full of red yeah i'm that guy like i like oh my god yeah. get a hold of your life i can't i you know i, I don't like drinks at a room temperature i like everything cold i, I drink cold drinks like, you know we agree on a lot of things like a <laughs> lot like we have a remarkable similarity when it comes to many things i think your food takes are where we dive like you have a trash palate. Yeah, that is, I really, that is like, fair. You really do. That is that. Is, I'm not even going to argue it. Like it, it, it is. It is very fair. And, and, and I mentioned it before, but I got like that Drinkworks machine, so I'm going to go yeah, in. I'm, uh, I'm really jealous of that. I'm going to post like a video of it because like, I, ooh, you know, fancy. I feel like you know I got a few fancy drinks, so that way I can have like a margarita one second or an old fashioned the next. So. Uh, you know, I, I don't know, though. I, I drink very little now, so I'm a little worried that I'm going to have one, you know, one glass of wine, yeah, a margarita. No tolerance. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be done by halftime. It's it's yeah. it's a little bit scary. Total your team. Don't worry. <laughs> wow, that was a dig. That's an early dig. All right, uh, so that's that's our tradition. I got to get him out now because once the Bears start playing, I have no leg to stand on making fun of other people's teams. Yeah, by week six, we're just not going to be talking about our teams at all anymore. <laughs> we're just going to be off of the NFL altogether. Yeah, when Stosh like, tries to bring up on? a top, that Stosh will come in with his Chiefs gear. They'll be 6-0, and and we'll be like, we're not talking about that. There's MLS to talk about. Okay, so one, another, uh, speaking of uh, random changes to other topics, I do want to talk to you about something that I saw in the news that revolves around Nashville, a city that I've lived in for a very long time uh, until recently. And, you know, I don't know if you saw this, but Nashville's trying to get a Major League Baseball team, which has been sort of trying to get momentum for several years. But so it, smart. It, it got a little bit of a kick in the butt uh, about a year ago when some investors started piecing some things together. And now... Justin Timberlake has joined in the party, and I, I, I'm a little torn on this one because Timberlake's a Memphis guy, and Memphis and Nashville are not two cities that really play kumbaya and, and hold hands. I wish they would, but they're very different sports cities even, and he's an NBA guy. So it feels a little weird for an NBA guy that's a Memphis guy to suddenly come in and be part of the ownership group for a Nashville baseball team. Yeah, because he's a minority owner for the Grizz, right? Right. I think, yeah, he's, he's got, got, a little, like, yeah. It's got a little ownership stake there. Normally, I would say you can't cross streams when it comes to different sports cities, but don't take any offense at this. Those two are kind of like just down there for me. <laughs> like when I, <laughs> I think, think they of, are for a lot of people. Like, that's that's like, real. It's not Florida, and it's it's just like down there. <laughs> so anything that's like down there, I think kind of can play together. I know I know you just told me that they don't, but if like you mentioned Justin Timberlake coming to the party. If Justin Timberlake wants to come to my Nashville party and I'm anti-Memphis, I'm still going to let him come play, especially if it helps get the game there. And I do think that Nashville is a great place for a, for an MLB team. I love visiting Nashville, and I love going to sporting events there. I just love the setup of the city. They're passionate about teams. They have a great time. And I think it's a great place for baseball. The weather's good. You you empty out onto Broadway after a game or pre, pre-party there. Um, it totally makes sense to me. And again, Justin Timberlake's connection to music and being from down there 
It just, I, I, I like it. I'm yeah. into it. Uh, you look, and you're not, you're not wrong. What I uh, talk to uh, the ESPN affiliate in Memphis every Monday, and I've done that for a couple of years. I, I love the guys there, and I love the city. I, I happen to be a big Memphis fan. I'm one of the rare ones, though, because there's there has always been this divide between Memphis. They're about three hours apart. A lot of people don't realize Nashville and Memphis are. are uh, not really sister cities, and I think that's where some of the rivalry came at some point because both thought that the other was trying to steal their shine. But you're you're right, and Nashville has a a beautiful new minor league baseball stadium. They have a a, a, a fun team there. There's but there has been a passion. Like when I moved to Nashville in '96, there were a lot of Braves fans. I mean, it was a Braves city, so it actually doesn't really surprise me. And and I think it's a great fit, frankly, for baseball to go to Nashville because. A, it's a very transient city. B, if they put the the stadium in the right spot, I do think you're right that all the tourists that come in would want to go to a game. Like if you could be uh, down in a, a stadium and then walk out onto Lower Broad and have some drinks, like that's going to do. If they built like a Wrigleyville type area, which they talked about doing at one at one point, right around the the water on Lower Broad, you could have a great atmosphere and you know that as a Cubs fan like atmosphere is everything to keeping well, people in baseball, going there's so many games in the season that if you have that kind of atmosphere where people consider it a full day's fun where it's not get in your car drive super far go to the game get back in the car drive back to somewhere being embedded in a city if they can get it in that general area where the Titan Stadium is and everything else it's such a win it'd be great yeah, I, I, it'd be great for me to add it to my trips when I go to Nashville because I already go down to watch the Blackhawks put a hurting on on you know on your your hockey team. Then I go down and I watch the Bears beat up on your NFL team. I add one to the list. Yeah, well, that is that is all fair. And and as I've said before, Chicago is the one city that I can ever think of that has actually drank lower brought out a beer on multiple occasions. So uh-huh. look, and, and but you're right. Like downtown Nashville was dying until the Predators Arena came in when Bridgestone came in. Uh, that was when everybody, they realized, oh, now there's, you know, a ton of games. And as a result, there's a ton of people downtown. I, I think you keep magnifying that effect. So, look, I'm all in. It would make me a baseball. Like, could I then become like a super baseball fan? I think so. I uh, We'll see. Hold okay. your horses on that. You got a couple years. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One step at a time. Would you, you think it's going to, I don't, I don't know. There, it seems like there's a lot to go through for baseball to do any expansion. In the meantime, We'll just focus on. Let's football. just get through this year. Yeah. Let's just <laughs> let's just get through this year. That's fair. Without a bubble, somehow which they seem to still be pushing back on for the playoffs. That is that is okay. So before we get to the actual show, I know we're gonna get pre- everybody listen through the show. You're gonna get previews. Do you want to? This get- is a pre party, not an after party. Here I am thinking we're after partying. Well, we are after partying. Yeah, which means it's after the show. You're right. Which means yeah. people heard that. Uh, you started so, drinking. Yeah, well, not yet. Uh, it's been a long day. Uh, I, I picked the Raiders to go to the wine. wild card. Uh, <laughs> I think, I think the Raiders are finishing nine and seven this year. That's my prediction. Do you have a prediction for the Bears? Ugh, I don't have high hopes. I hate being negative. Nine and seven feels like I'm being maybe a little too positive, but with the defense, and I used to always just say ten wins because it sounded good. I'm gonna go nine and seven as well. Ooh, I look. That tells you how how just damaged. It's just because I- it doesn't hurt to to be a little more optimistic than it than to like just be like shitting on them and then later on be like, well, I don't know. Actually, that's not true because two years ago I didn't expect much and they had twelve wins and then last year I was all excited and they shit the bed. So you know everything you need to know about how damaged I am as a fan. That <laughs> you said nine and seven, I was like, holy shit, that sounds like a great year. 
Yeah, that's, that's what, me. Like, that's me, like tempering my expectations and being like, "Wow, another failed season." Yeah. But you know, you're a Raiders fan. So you come I'm from like a different place. A winning a record. Place. What's a winning <laughs> record feel like? All right, thanks, uh, Sarah. Have a great weekend. Enjoy you the game. Too. And uh, anybody listening, uh, you know, tweet us over the weekend. Let us know what you're doing to get ready for the game. Just because that way, I have somebody to share my misery with if things don't go well against Carolina. That's all there I can say. There you go. All right, uh, everybody, have a great weekend, Sarah. We'll do this again on Monday. See ya.